The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare bring a little optimism into your life with the bright side a new kind of daily podcast from hello sunshine hosted by me danielle robay and me simone voice Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey, everybody. What's up, y'all? How's everybody doing today? I hope you're having a lovely day. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I I hope so too. I hope you're having a better day than Diana hopes you're having. Wow. I didn't know we were competing. <laughs> Just... Well, I hope you're having the best day of your life. Oh, I can't beat that. What's better than the best day of your life? A day with you. Oh, babe. <laughs> you're forgiven of everything. <laughs> oh, yes, of everything? Wow, I should have done more. <laughs> it was easier than you thought. <laughs> yeah. Will it work again? <laughs> I doubt it. Ah, damn it. I blew it. One and done. Oh, man. <laughs> well, we won't talk about what you need for your forgiveness. That'll come <laughs> up later. I didn't even ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have not ever even asked for no. forgiveness. That's for sure. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> you just do what you want. When I regret something, I might. <laughs> wow. Wow. You're just so flawless. Exactly. Yeah. I've done nothing of which I should be ashamed. <laughs> well, I guess uh, I'm sorry for times I've behaved badly. <laughs> well. None you... are springing to mind. <laughs> but I'm sure you have some in the bank. I guess you're forgiven. I for, didn't feel very everything. sincere. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, neither did your request. 
I told you you were better than the best day of my life. And you just said, well, I guess if I did anything wrong, you can go ahead and forgive me. (laughs) You're lucky you haven't done anything wrong. How about y'all? Have you done anything wrong today? Oh, are we? I'm I'm putting it out to the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, if say you're alone in your car, uh-huh. uh, just take this moment to shout out all your all the, everything you've ever done wrong. Shit you did today that you're not <laughs> that, that you wish you could be forgiven for. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll give you a second. And I, I for one, forgive you. I mean, you need to be careful about that. Oh, <laughs> you no. You know what they said. <laughs> I was hoping you would also say you forgive them, but I guess Diana doesn't forgive you. She's, I don't trust none of y'all. She... <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here first. They were like, I killed someone based on their race or gender, and now they're in my trunk. And okay. you say, I forgive you? Okay. Are you trying to get us canceled out here? I'm sorry, but my assumption of our listeners <laughs> is that their confessions are not going to be murderous and racist. I would also, think, racist. That. I would also think that. That would be odd for someone very murderous and racist to enjoy this show. I know. No, no, all our listeners are good, perfect people. Oh. We love you all. That's awesome. And we forgive you for anything you might have done that you feel you need forgiveness for. I'm on board. Like, hey. forgive you as well. This is, this is easier than <laughs> church, right? <laughs> you don't even have to say anything. Like, <laughs> Well, I hope you did. Or rub on some beads or whatever. <laughs> What's going to be great is the person in their headphones in the kitchen is cooking <laughs> dinner right now who someone in their house just heard them look up and shout out, I cheated on my math test. <laughs> Like, what? Why did you just... <laughs> Nothing. I was forgiven. <laughs> yeah. It's all Don't worry new. about it. I was forgiven. <laughs> well, thank you all for tuning in today. Very excited for this episode. Yeah. This is a hot one. Mm-hmm. Spicy. Lots of sex. Lots of chaos. <laughs> uh, this was a story that was suggested to us by Rocco on Instagram at OPS Soccer. So thanks so much for sending this in, Rocco. Um, we started digging into it and ended up, you know, being a little different than what the headlines all said from what we could find. But I'm, what a surprise! I know, right? I'm I'm so excited that we we got to look into it. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. So thanks for sending us this story. Yeah. And y'all remember to keep those suggestions coming because it keeps us busy and it saves us work, which we love. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, and if we don't get back to you right away. Uh, it's very exciting that we are getting lots of suggestions now. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a hundred years, we'll never get to all of them because there'll be more happening all the time, right. I imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but keep them coming because we really have gotten some of our favorite stories from from you all. So true. But today we're going to talk about Pierre Trudeau, who was a bold, progressive, and charismatic politician who served as the 15th Prime Minister of Canada during the 1970s and 80s. This guy crushed the Quebec separatist movement, he abolished the death penalty in Canada, and he laid the foundation for Canada's full independence from Great Britain. This guy also dated musicians and movie stars, and he drew huge crowds of screaming girls wherever he went, and he always seemed to have a room full of bare naked ladies. You're welcome, Canada. But it was rumored that his wife, Margaret, was a bit tragically hip herself. Oh, my God. Another Canada reference. Thank you. Uh, and she Uh-oh. even spent one crazy night with all of the Rolling Stones. What? Which prompted a media frenzy that she was having an affair with old rubber lips himself, Mick Jagger. But was all this rock and roll legend true? 
Or was this just more political tabloid fodder? Well, grab your toques and mickeys, slip on your runners, and let's start poutine the facts together and find oot in this very special Canadian episode of Ridiculous Romance. (laughs) Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. So Margaret Sinclair was born on September 10th of 1948 in sunny Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. Side note, how badly do I want to go to Vancouver? The answer I mean, is very badly. There's many places in Canada that I would like to visit. Ah, absolutely. But like, absolutely gorgeous. Vancouver, it's like Canada's Hollywood. True. They shoot a ton of movies and mm-hmm. stuff there. It's gorgeous. Everything I've seen about it is beautiful. Everyone I know who's mm-hmm. been there says it's gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, it's apparently one of the most expensive places in the world. <laughs> so I probably will never move there. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I would love to visit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Love to visit. Margaret's father was a liberal member of parliament. And a lot of her ancestors, I found, were involved in the colonization of Singapore by mm-hmm. England. Um, And many of them were actually born citizens of Singapore before immigrating to British Columbia, Canada in the early 1900s. And we found this fun, super mini little bonus ridiculous romance while we were researching. (laughs) Uh, Margaret's great grandmother, Cornelia Louisa Intveld, who had been born in like what's present day Indonesia. uh, She was this amazing soprano singer and she was just strikingly beautiful. And one day she was in the auditorium in London watching an opera when King William IV spotted her from his private box seats. And he grabbed one of his guys and he said, You need to go in, go in, uh, find that beautiful woman down there. Go invite that smoke show to come sit up here in my private box. So the equerry gets up and he goes down through the opera house. He's probably like squeezing past people's seats, you know, like, excuse me, excuse me, I'm sorry. I've got to like get up. I'm just getting up. They're dropping their popcorn. Jackets. Popcorn at the opera. (laughs) Yeah, it's common. Caught me coming through. They're like, this is the best part. A guy walked in front of me. He steps on someone's opera glasses. Oh, no. Brutal. Cruel. So he finally gets over to Cornelia and he says, uh, the king wants you in his box. Uh, <laughs> <Which>? Creepy. <laughs> what kind of box are we talking? <laughs> I know about kings, okay? True. <laughs> they got some crazy boxes sometimes. <laughs> the king's box is not where you want to end up. <laughs> I don't want to be in the king's box. <laughs> well, <laughs> Claudia must have felt that too because she just looked at the equity and said, no. <laughs> and so this poor guy's got to climb back over all these rows of seats. Excuse me, pardon me, coming through, so sorry. And he gets back up to the king's box and he leans into the king and says, she said no. And, you know, the king is a real king about it. And he's like, what? Outrageous. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, I want you to go back down there and ask that woman her name. And the equerry, presumably at this point, instead of climbing back down there, just throws himself from the balcony, (laughs) lands in the orchestra. I'd rather be dead. Yeah. Also, excuse me, King, but maybe if what's your name was the first question he'd sent him to ask, maybe you would have gotten a A better answer. Good point. She's like, I have been presented to you, sir. (laughs) 
Well, anyway, Margaret's family ended up in Canada. Her father went into politics. And when she was just 18 years old, she took a vacation with her family down to Tahiti. Oh, which another place I would go. definitely <laughs> visit. <laughs> That's where she met the man who would be her husband, Pierre Trudeau. He was a very intelligent man who had grown up in the affluent suburbs of Montreal, where he grew up to practice and teach law. As a politician, he opposed conscription in World War II and fought hard with other politicians against it. In the 1960s, there was a new wave elected to the Liberal House of Commons in Canada, and Pierre was elected in with them. And eventually, in 1966, he was appointed to be the Minister of Justice. Ooh. It's kind of a hot name. That is quite a <laughs> Minister title. Minister of Justice. Minister of Justice. Well, it was early in his time in the position of Minister of Justice that Pierre Trudeau took a trip to Tahiti. Now, this guy had nicknames like Swingin' Pierre and Trendy Trudeau. Cha-cha. He was a quote-unquote playboy statesman. Right. And people considered him like one of these celebrity politicians. He was famous around the world for his charisma as much as his policy. Like a JFK vibe. Yeah, yeah. This guy. He always wore a red rose pinned to his lapel, so he had drip. He was great at charming people. He was flamboyant and dashing. He always had like a big crest smile on his face <laughs> that one crowds over everywhere uh-huh. he went. Just flashed one smile and there's a little and there's ding, like, ding. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, oh. Absolutely. And women everywhere were like falling in love with him and they called it Trudomania. So you can imagine this guy on a sunny beach in Tahiti walking up to Margaret and just laying it on real thick. Mm-hmm. Now, she was a total flower child. I mean, it's 1966. She's mm-hmm. 18. She's from a liberal political family. And she's just totally riding this hippie movement. Apparently, even in her teenage years, she said she spent some time in Morocco living as a hippie. Whatever that means. Uh, <laughs> pungent. Right, yeah. Maybe? Yeah. <laughs> so she's probably sitting here on the beach in Tahiti with like a daisy crown on, and she's just like humming Joni Mitchell to herself, right? <laughs> Who was Canadian, by the way. And uh, and all of a sudden, this charismatic guy sees her, and he, he's totally struck. So he struts up and turns on the charm, and Margaret looks up at him and is like, uh oh. Boring. Not Keep on interested. Checking, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she said a strange man approached her in, quote, his creepy little bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> because not only did she not recognize this guy, but also he was 48 years mm, old. Remember, Margaret gross. was 18. Mm-hmm. So obviously she was not interested in this guy walking up and hitting on her on the beach no. who's old enough to be her dad no. and not just a dad, but like a dad who waited a while to start having kids. You know, <laughs> like he's like 30 years older than her. Remember when Pierre was fighting hard against the draft during World War Two? Yeah. Margaret wasn't even born yet while he was like well into his career. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's quite a quite a gap. It feels like a gross gap. Yes. And no, nobody likes a gross gap, am I right? right. <laughs> Not in the king's box. Not in the king's box. <laughs> no gross gaps in here. Well, Margaret's mom gave her the old 
Margaret, he's the Minister of Justice. He's so charming and popular. Everyone loves him. You could do worse. Uh-huh. Like Margaret's mom is like, I don't care about no 30 years. Uh-huh. I don't care about no gross gaps. Right. <laughs> I don't care about no creepy little bathing suit. <laughs> Lock down that Minister of Justice. I mean, it was a very political family. She married a politician as well. She's mm-hmm. like, this is this is what you do. Right? This is how it works. I guess so. It's also making me think a little bit about our Rolling Stones episode where uh, yeah. her mom, the groupie's mom, was very right. much like, get it, get it yeah. while you can. Uh, or our very first episode yeah, where uh, where um, where Madame de Pompadour was raised by her mother to be the mistress to the king. Yep, yep, yep. But Margaret was a wild, clever, and carefree girl who also liked to party. Mm-hmm. And she was heading off to university soon to study sociology. Yeah, right? So why would she right. be like, yeah, let me settle down with an old man? Right. And who's the like a big politician? Right. Now I got to like be looked at a lot. Too. I wonder if she's also thinking like, cool, I'd marry my dad, basically. Like, Ew. You yeah, know, very, too close. Mm-hmm. Too close. No, thank you, mom. In age and <laughs> politics and career and everything. <laughs> she's like, you married my dad. That doesn't mean I want to marry my dad. Right. But- that presumably just made Pierre more interested that she's like in university studying. We guess. And kind of a, a hot tamale, I guess. Right. <laughs> a bit of a firecracker. <laughs> and he started to really pursue a relationship with her. And now, like, we don't know the exact details of what happened here, but within a year, they had started secretly dating. Hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe he really was just truly as charming as they say. And right. he like swept her off her feet. Right. Or she was impressionable and she fell for him. I mean, uh, definitely. That could have, like, that definitely happened. That happens. Or maybe. 18 year olds who ha- an adult comes in and pays them a lot of attention and says, you're, you're an adult just like me. You're on, le- on my level. Mm-hmm. We're, we could be partners. Like, that can be very seductive. Right. Well, she might even have looked way. up. Like found out more about him, yeah. and it, it was kind of heady to be the one that he oh, was sure, sure. coming after. Yeah. When when a lot of people want, you know, you have that competitively. You're like, oh, he wants me, and all these bitches want him. Right, right. So now I want him more. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I could see that, or maybe there were like political or family pressures, or sure. her mom was really leaning on her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But whatever happened in 1967, they were a couple, but they wanted to keep it a secret from the public. Because Trudeau is a rising political star with international attention. And, I mean, we assume he did not want people to know that he was dating a college student. Right, right. Might not look great in the campaign. Not fantastic. And besides that, in the meantime, Pierre was totally keeping up with his playboy persona. His surging popularity was bringing him all this attention, and it got him into international parties where he was mingling with world leaders and Hollywood royalty. And that is going to bring us to quite an unexpected love triangle right after this commercial break. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. 
my simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome back to the show, eh? Oh, very nice. <laughs> Throw a little A in there for the Canadians. They Canadian love fans. that. I know. Surely, surely. <laughs> they were like, oh, I feel like I'm at home now, eh? <laughs> it's like my best friends are here with me talking about the old prime minister. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Very Canadian of you to apologize. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I am very Canadian in that respect. Mm-hmm. I'm always apologizing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Pierre and Margaret are having their super secret, uh, super age inappropriate right. relationship. And at the end of 1967, the current prime minister announced his intention to step down. And Pierre Trudeau entered the race for liberal leadership. And this kicked Trudeau mania into high gear. Young people saw Trudeau as this symbol of change. As justice minister, he'd brought about some big changes that really mobilized and energized young voters, like creating more flexible divorce laws or legalizing homosexuality. He said in an interview, quote, Are we going to put all sin in the criminal code? If so, it would be a pretty thick book. The state has no business in the nation's bedrooms. All right. I mean, it's not a sin, but... Well, exactly. (laughs) There's a bit of a balance there. He was very Catholic, Mm -hmm. um, which pops up a little bit, but a nice thought, at least. The the core of the position certainly certainly went over well with the youths. Yeah, the religious part, I don't agree. The legal part, I definitely do. Right. So young women were lining up on tarmacs when his plane arrived and they would just beg for his autograph. Throngs of young people mobbed him everywhere he went. He really was like a one-man Beatles for politics. Crazy. 
During his campaign in 1968, just a day before the election, he was seated at this big grandstand at a, at a parade they were holding in Montreal when a group of Quebec separatists rioted and they started throwing bottles and rocks like in the direction of the grandstand where he was sitting. So his aides grabbed him and they like tried to get him to take cover for safety. But Pierre Trudeau just sat still in his seat, staring down the rioters and not showing any fear. Baller. He, that, the, the headlines loved that. I'm sure. People loved it. Standing strong against an onslaught. Uh-huh. And he won the election as the leader of the Liberal Party the next day and was subsequently sworn in as prime minister. Trudeau mania continued for his first couple years as prime minister, and he was just as admired for his policy and laid-back attitude as he was for his charm with the ladies. In The Globe and Mail, journalist Margaret Went wrote, quote, Mr. Trudeau's attentiveness to women was central to his charm. He listened to them. Huh. What a common pattern we come across in this show. We have been seeing that a lot. <laughs> Governor Morris. How did he get, not a handsome man, how did he get all these ladies <laughs> tripping over themselves to have an affair with him? Right. Uh, he listened. Oh, he listened. I, yes, we. I feel like we've had several episodes where it's like, whoa, this guy really pulls. How did he get all these ladies to come flocking after him? Oh, he listened to them when they talked and treated them like people? Too much oh. work. Pass. God, the bar is low. I'm pretty sure I've said that before. <laughs> well, it it remains low. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it has been and is still. I was hoping it'd be raised at this point. But I'm nope. loving where the bar is. <laughs> From 1770s to... <laughs> <laughs> right. To the 1970s. Mm. Guess what's still attractive to women. <laughs> But Margaret Went also wrote that Trudeau also swore them all to secrecy when he oh. was having like any kind of flirtation or affair. He mm -hmm. like, can't tell anybody. Um, he would flaunt his obvious attraction in public. Right. Um, but he was like, we can't, you can't tell anyone. Yeah, they would walk around like clearly flirtatious, like arm in arm all the time. But NBA. he's like, don't give an interview about what mm -hmm. we do in the bedroom or behind mm -hmm. closed doors or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a way, I get that. I wouldn't want everyone oh, sure. running around telling sure. all my bedroom right. secrets. Right. Even though I'm so willing to share them with whomever <laughs> is around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. With you, it's a regular erotic lit night every time you open your mouth. It just... No, in that scenario, I'm Pierre Trudeau. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me, myself, I do not share many bedroom secrets now. <laughs> So in the midst of his secret relationship with the young college student, Margaret Sinclair, we come to this episode's side piece. Oh, yeah. In January of 1969, Trudeau was attending a gala in London at the famous Hotel Claridge's. Ooh. And the press was fascinated by him and they wouldn't leave him alone. So he slid down a shiny wooden banister as everyone's like, ooh, oh. Wow, what a playful wow. pr prime minister. And took like two billion pictures. Of, yeah. Yeah. This, <laughs> oh, he's young at heart. Uh -huh. And this gala was in honor of a film premiere in London, and Trudeau caught the attention of the film's lead actress. Now, what film? What actress, you ask? It was the hit. 1968 musical comedy Funny Girl, starring none other than the legend Barbara Streisand. <laughs> From an article by Hugh Brewster on everythingzoomer.com, 
Barbara Streisand's best friend, Sis Corman, was also there with her. And just a few months earlier, when they were hanging out and flipping through magazines, Barbara turned to Sis and was like, this guy, mm, if I could get me some of that Pierre Trudeau. Oh, now that is the kind of man I want. That's my that's my Barbara Streisand. How is it? For a minute, it was like a JFK impression, like just for a second. And then it wasn't. Barbara Streisand. <laughs> I could get me some of that Pierre Trudeau. <laughs> there you go. It's the coffee talk, ladies, coffee right? Talk. I don't know. I actually don't know what Barbara Streisand sounds you like. You know, I'd come to think of it, it's been a while since I've heard her speak. Yeah, it's true. We'll, we'll call her after this episode and see yeah. how we did. Yeah. In my Fr- mind, friend she of the sounds show. like Natasha Leone or something. Right, like right, right. Most New York person I can think of. <laughs> so, okay. So Barbara already infatuated with the idea of Pierre Trudeau just because everybody was, right? right? Trudeau mania. Now, Barbara was married to Elliot Gould at the time, mm. technically still, but things had really been on ice between them for a while. Like, they were not going well. Yeah. But when Pierre slid up to Barbara at the party and asked her to dance, you got to imagine that she's like, <gasps> oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> But she told him that she didn't like to dance in public and that Pierre should ask her friend, Sis Corman, instead. Man, the, all these ladies that know to say no first. Right. It's just like in trances. They're oh, like, oh, God, yes. Now I have to. Absolutely. So Pierre did. He went and asked Sis Corman to dance, and they danced together. And the next day, the tabloids were freaking out about who's this mystery lady that Pierre Trudeau was dancing with. Jeez. But Sis was a happily married woman with four children. It was just a dance, mm-hmm. a lovely dance, I'm sure. But after the premiere, Pierre went back to Canada. Barbara Streisand went back to her home in Manhattan. And a few days later, she got a phone call. And her friend, uh, who was with her at the time, answered and was like, Barbara, Pierre Trudeau wants to talk to you. What? And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. She's freaking out. And it gets her composure, picks up the phone. Hello? Who's this? This is Barbara. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> and apparently... Go for Barbara. <laughs> she said, go, go for Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. And then she turned to her friend like, why do you say that? <laughs> I, why does, I never say go for Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Her friend did say that overhearing this phone call, one of the first things Barbara said to... Pierre Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, was, how did you get my number? Oh. Which he thought was a very stupid question. I... Her friend, not Pierre. But, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pierre was like, what a dumb question, Stupid question, Barbara. Barbara. Try again. Let me turn on the charm and tell you what a dumbass you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Her friend just thought okay. that was a dumb question to ask the Prime Minister of <laughs> Canada. Like, I'll tell you how. He's the fucking Prime Minister of Canada. <laughs> yeah. Whatever number he wants. <laughs> But they just talked for a little while and Barbara eventually hung up the phone and she turned to her friend and said, quote, just call me Madam Prime Minister. Oh, girl, <laughs> jumping the gun. She was ready. <laughs> now, we don't know what was happening with Margaret at this time, but presumably Pierre was still dating her in between her like sociology classes <laughs> right? and like her like I don't know student organization meetings. <laughs> right, she's in whatever. like the model UN. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I'm in the actual UN. <laughs> <laughs> I can help you with your homework. <laughs> I'll help you. I'll be Lithuania. <laughs> <laughs> So most of 1969, Pierre and Barbara only ever spoke on the phone. 
But in October, he flew down to New York to spend a weekend with her and did not come out of her apartment from Friday night to Sunday evening when they went to see a play, according to J.D.M. Stewart's book, Being Prime Minister. Okay. 48 hours locked up in Barbara Streisand's apartment. That could could mean any number of things, but for these two, probably pretty hot. Yeah, right? Are they just doing it the whole time? I feel like if I was locked up for 48 hours in Barbara Streisand's apartment, it'd be a lot of like, tell me what you think of this song. I was about to say, is she singing for him? She's just singing, and I'm just sitting there going, that was a good one too, Barbara Streisand. And then he gets up and is like, here's my next speech. Yeah, right. (laughs) Give me notes. (laughs) On my next speech. Training notes. We'll get room service. It's a long one. (laughs) Well, of course, Pierre Trudeau was hounded by reporters everywhere he went. Yeah. And the whole time they're in New York. And he was asked how it was being away from the Canadian capital. And he answered, quote, it's marvelous. I can do anything, even pick my nose if I want. <laughs> what a nice break. I know, right? And when asked in an interview how long he had been hanging out with Streisand, Trudeau replied, quote, not long enough. Oh, oh. Uh, side note, Barbara Streisand, uh, 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 like something like 27 years younger than him. Okay. So a little closer in age than Margaret. Wow. He's <laughs> he's really changing. Yeah. Well, back home, his aides were freaking out about what the political fallout could be of him dating this American actress who is still technically married. Like, right. wow, scandal. When, according to Brewster, his executive assistant shut everyone up and said, quote, we are debating whether Pierre should date the hottest star in the world. My God, this is political gold. <laughs> Seriously. Like, what's the argument here? And, and, like, this is great. Everyone loves her. She's funny, girl. Yeah. And Barbara Streisand was feeling it. She kind of wanted to be the first lady of Canada. Although, side note, that is not what Canadians (laughs) call the prime minister's wife. Uh, Yahoo Canada News says that there is no title. You would just call her Mrs. or Madame Trudeau. But Barbara said being around Pierre Trudeau made her feel like Jackie Kennedy. Mm. She went to a gala with him that was in honor of Manitoba's 100th anniversary of joining the Canadian Confederation. And she wowed dignitaries and pulled focus from reporters and was just the absolute center of the whole country's attention. But the next morning, she went to attend a state function wherein the prime minister was going to be questioned by parliament. I guess it's just like a regular thing they do. Mm-hmm. You sit down and I'm going to grill you for a while. Like, what are you doing? Uh-huh. What are you up to? <laughs> Let me see your timesheet. Right. Brewster points out in their article that this was not a particularly good session for Pierre. It was very dull, boring, tedious questions, and he didn't really get his chance to shine like he was so good at. Do his thing. Right. Charisma was not going on during this questioning. And like during it, he kept glancing up at Barbara, who was in the audience gallery, and like shrugging at her or like rolling his eyes. Like, you know, it was like you and I are the only ones here while I do this dumb thing. And he was very obvious about it. (laughs) And at one point, a conservative MP eventually asked him a question and added, quote, if the prime minister can keep his eye off the visitor's gallery long enough to answer me. Ooh, oh, the whole place just burst out into laughter, total <laughs> uproar. And I'm sure he like rolled his eyes and was like, oh, you got me. Yeah, <laughs> you know? But uh, Barbara shortly after that got up to leave and Pierre made a gesture to her. Five more minutes. Just hang on. Almost done here. Everyone 
asking him questions. We're like, think of a few more questions. Yeah. So that it'll be 10 minutes. <laughs> Let's drag this out. Let's put him in the doghouse. Yeah. <laughs> and Barbara left Ottawa a few days later, telling everyone how charmed and delighted she was by her visit. And the city was just so beautiful and stuff. And people thought that was kind of weird because it was like a really gross time in Ottawa. Right. It was like slush all over the ground right. everywhere. <laughs> it's like February. It yeah. Like... It's like kind of that, like, not quite a winter wonderland. Slash not quite a spring place, like yeah. just a horrible, dirty, cold, wet. That's like the first time I ever visited New York. It was in a like it was like January. Yeah, like late January. And it was all dirty, slush in uh-huh. the streets and everyone was just miserable. <laughs> yeah, it didn't cold. look like uh, Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. no Christmas spirit left. Right. <laughs> and the city had been wrung out. <laughs> She visited once more in the spring, and John English writes in his biography of Trudeau, Just Watch Me, that Pierre even expressed an interest in marriage and children with Barbara Streisand. So that could be a very different story than we're Mm -hmm, about to tell. mm -hmm. But all in all, he was like an important politician, and Canada and the world were demanding a lot of him. And her stardom was blowing up. She was constantly working and flying all over the world. I mean, not to mention that she also had a three-year-old son of her own. Mm. So a lot of demands on both of their time. Yeah. And so their schedules really just made them totally incompatible. Um, mutually, they agreed to separate. Oh. Isn't that interesting, those those relationships that they don't end because you want them to end. Yeah. It's just like our lives it's don't make sense together. Yeah. Now, apparently, during their time together, Trudeau was still, like, kind of seeing Margaret. He would call her at least all the time. Mm -hmm. As far as I can tell. Pierre, I have exams next week. I mean, yeah, exactly. As far as I can tell, she was definitely still in college at this point. After the Manitoba gala and after Barbara left Ottawa that night, Trudeau reportedly called Margaret, but she picked up the phone and just shouted, Go back to your American actress and hung up on him. So, He's like, you know. oh, damn, I done <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. But you know that Pierre, he's a mm. wooer. Ooh. And he's just so damn charming. He took that red rose out of his lapel, uh-huh. kissed it, <laughs> and like tucked it behind her ear. Oh, something like, like that. Oh, Pierre, I can't stay mad at you, you old so-and-so. Seriously, whatever happened, he must have won her back because in March of 1971, Canada was absolutely rocked to learn that Prime Minister Trudeau was on a surprise honeymoon after a secret wedding to some 22-year-old girl named Margaret Sinclair that no one had ever heard of. What? Total shocker. What happened to Barbara? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they knew Barbara was gone, but... I know. I was just thinking of some housewife in the middle of British Columbia being like, now the last time I checked... (laughs) Well, how well could this ladies' man hold down a dedicated marriage? The answer may not surprise you. (laughs) But don't worry, Margaret had some crazy times and some celebrity excitement of her own, which we'll get back to right after this. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. 
My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. And welcome back to the show. Only immediate family members had known about Pierre and Margaret's six-month engagement, so it was a total surprise to basically all of Canada that their PM was now a married man. Right. Only 12 people had attended the wedding. A lot of hurt feelings. <laughs> Amongst Where was my invite? Those of us who did not get an invitation. Yeah, I didn't get one. <laughs> did you? Margaret's own family thought they were gathering for a family portrait, according Oops. to CanadaHistory.ca. <laughs> Just dress nice. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna paint take you. A picture. Uh, dress a little nicer. <laughs> uh, no, I can't tell you why. And come hungry. <laughs> <laughs> come hungry. And the prime minister's aides thought the couple was simply going on a skiing trip. Oops. And maybe no surprise, they tried to keep it quiet. This was really the first time that the private lives of celebrities and politicians was really targeted by the media in Canada. So between Trudeau mania and Margaret's youth and beauty and very unconventional ways, they were like a hot ticket for the front page. (laughs) So they're like, let's tread carefully. Yeah. And remember... Everyone, especially young women, were obsessed with Trudeau, this hot bachelor prime minister, right? So you can imagine there was a lot of heartbreak across the nation when they mm-hmm. woke up one morning and were like, oh, he's married? Uh, to who? Mm-hmm. 
Their marriage was wild and tumultuous because Margaret was kind of wild and tumultuous herself. Mm. But she later said that she felt like she was living multiple lives. She was attending state dinners and being photographed constantly as the wife of one of the most popular leaders in the world. But she was also like this young woman fresh out of college in her 20s with you know, a lot of money and a hippie background. She liked to have a good time. She wrote in her memoirs, quote, From the day I married Pierre, a glass panel was gently lowered into place around me, like a patient in a mental hospital no longer considered able to make decisions. But in addition to all that, it wasn't long before she was a mother also, Mm -hmm. three times over. On December 25th of 1971, their first son, Justin Trudeau, was born. And uh, hang on a second, speculation station here, because they were married in March of 1971, and he was born in December of 1971, just nine exact months later. So maybe, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's it was a little possible. bit of a shotgun wedding. She she wouldn't have known necessarily nine months before she gave birth that she was pregnant. Right. But what if maybe they kept his birth quiet for a couple months and were like, oh, we just had a baby. <gasps> oh. I don't know. It's a leap. It's a big oh, leap. Oh, my goodness. And it doesn't matter. It but doesn't. I like to I like to speculate. It does not matter. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they probably didn't. If she's off at college, you know, he's dealing with being prime minister. Right. Probably didn't get a lot of chances to get physical. So well, when they did, it was like a 48-hour fuck fest yeah. <laughs> with the Barbara Streisand. Right. And so, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe the night before the wedding. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the month of wedding activities that predate your wedding. Right. <laughs> they kind of got physical. I mean, I suppose in the late 60s, early 70s, the mentality definitely fits the bill of like, we're married now, let's immediately have a, a, true, a kid true, true. so sure but speculation station they got married because she got knocked up with justin trudeau there you go and i could say whatever i want in speculation That's station right. it's a safe space <laughs> so he was born christmas day 1971 and then two years later also on christmas day his younger brother alexandra was born uh, oh. he goes by sasha then wow, two christmas babies two christmas babies amazing yeah then, on October 2nd of 1975, their third son, Michelle, was born. Damn, Michelle, you broke the pattern. <laughs> yeah. Well, his parents broke the I pattern. I know. I guess it's really Pierre and Margaret's fault. They couldn't they have waited two months. They should have timed that shit for March. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like clockwork, Margaret. Yeah, it's an anniversary, baby. You know, it's exactly, our anniversary. Yeah. Let's try again. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, for a while, Margaret had been very uninvolved in politics. But in 1972, Pierre Trudeau's government suffered a very near defeat. Mm. So she decided she would get more involved for the 1974 election. The party organizers thought she was awesome, and they put her on the campaign trail to help local candidates in important elections. Meanwhile, the opposition party's leaders had their wives just standing quietly behind them on stage looking like props, cardboard cutouts. Mm -hmm. So this really gave them a boost. Yeah. And when Margaret was with Pierre at his events, he was cool, collected, relaxed, as savvy as ever. And when asked if her campaigning was helping Pierre, she said, quote, I won't know until July 8th, but 52% of the voters in this country are women. That's an awful lot. Mm-hmm. True. 
And indeed, Trudeau's party returned to a majority government after that election. So That's right. it was pretty effective to have the ladies out there yeah. talking, talking, talking to women as, as if they can relate to them mm-hmm. in ways these as male politicians can't matters. Yeah. As if they're people. <laughs> it's funny. Some, sometimes these stories that we tell make me start to think maybe women are people. Huh. Speculation station. Spe- <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say they do crazy. I don't want to go crazy in here. <laughs> don't quote me on that or anything. But... <laughs> I haven't seen the science or anything. Is this a safe space? Okay. <laughs> Women are people. <laughs> uh, oh, jeez. laugh to keep from crying. Yeah. Well, Margaret and Pierre's loving marriage did start to fall apart after a few years. See, Pierre was constantly working because he was mm-hmm. prime minister of Canada, and that left Margaret pretty much having to raise their three sons by herself. And she also kind of stopped abiding by protocol, and she started to have these manic episodes. She would smuggle drugs across the border into America and go party at Studio 54 in Manhattan, and the paparazzi, of course, always just chasing her right behind her, taking pictures all the time. At one point, Pierre had been given this quilt by artist Joyce Wayland, which was emboldened with his political slogan, La raison avant la passion, which means reason before passion, right? That was his whole political stance. It's like, we just need to do things smart and not worry about how passionate we are about a thing. It's just do the right thing, not yeah. what you feel, which of course is... Except when it comes to young <laughs> <Yes>. women. <laughs> Quite a contrast to how he behaved in his personal life. There's no reason to go out, <laughs> but my passion tells me. <laughs> yeah. I should date this 18-year-old. <laughs> well, so he had been given this quilt with his slogan and stitched into it. Yeah. And Margaret, in a fury one night, when she was just angry at him and having one of her manic episodes, mm-hmm. apparently ripped all the letters off of the quilt and threw them at him. Mm-hmm. Like, take your own words back, you yeah, monster. Put them up yeah. your mouth. Right. <laughs> Eat your words. Mm-hmm. In 1977, she separated from Pierre, which resulted in a period she would later call two years of mayhem, according to Vanity Fair. She said that in the two years leading up to this separation, she would whisper to herself every night, quote, Pierre, please give me a divorce. When she finally left the prime minister in this trial separation, she said she chose, quote, independence over marital vows. Here we should say that later in life, Margaret was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and she describes these years in the late 70s as being full of manic depressive episodes. Yeah. Uh, she hadn't received treatment earlier in life because her mother, her mom is not coming out great in this story, mom, by the way. Yeah. Her mother discouraged her from seeing a psychiatrist. She told her, quote, oh, Margaret, psychiatrists only blame the mother. Um, Which in this case, maybe they have a point. Yeah. I think maybe she was realizing that they Uh would blame her mother and maybe she didn't want her to hear that. (laughs) Oh, Margaret, I've only done terrible things that have traumatized you. (laughs) They're just going to tell you that. Uh Why would I want you to hear that? I only pushed you into a relationship with a man 30 years older than you. Right. For the political gain. For the political gain. Yeah. Now, one of these manic episodes was at Margaret and Pierre's sixth anniversary party. Mm. She made headlines by leaving the party early without saying goodnight to Pierre. And later that night, 
paparazzi spotted her partying with the Rolling Stones. What? Now, Margaret wrote of the episode that she ran off with the band, quote, but I could have just as easily run off with one of the guys from the 7-Eleven. It was just somewhere else to be, someone else to be yeah. with. You know, she didn't didn't actually matter right. who it was. Right, could have been anybody, yeah. yeah. she's like, if someone had said, let's go take a drive, then I would have gone. Yeah. Now, from here, there are varying accounts as to what happened. Yes. In an article in The Guardian, Stone's drummer Charlie Watts claimed that guitarist Ronnie Wood was having an affair with Margaret, which he called, quote, a bit worrying. But tabloids who spotted Margaret with a band started to make these wild claims. They said that she was having an affair with Mick Jagger. And they even said that she had just come from an orgy with the whole band after yeah. their last show. Now, this sparked a whole media shit show where they just labeled her as promiscuous and irresponsible. She's mm-hmm. out here fucking musicians and doing drugs and all this yeah. crazy shit. Yeah. But if... Margaret and Mick themselves are to be believed, that particular thing didn't happen. Mick Jagger himself later told the Evening Standard that Margaret was, quote, a very sick girl in search of something. She found it, but not with me. I wouldn't go near her with a barge pole. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Do you think barge pole is what he called David Bowie's penis? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't fuck her with David Bowie's penis. David Bowie's like, I probably would. <laughs> yeah, right. I just like fucking. Yeah, <laughs> well, Margaret herself said in an interview in 2008, quote, unfortunately, when I look back on it now, I think I should have slept with every single one of the Rolling Stones. I should have had so much fun, but I didn't. Hmm. So, you know, It sounds like maybe the affair with Ronnie Wood was true, but Mm. no, she definitely did not have an orgy with the Rolling Stones. Right. (laughs) You know? Now, don't worry. Just because Margaret didn't sleep with an entire rock band doesn't mean (laughs) she wasn't having affairs. Right. So if you were worried, don't be worried. (laughs) She's getting hers, too. She did. She said in her biography that the, quote, first real rival to her husband, Pierre, was the actor Jack Nicholson. What? <laughs> These The names that are popping up in this story I are know. so random. Now, he was dating Angelica Houston at the time. Wow. And he met Margaret in London while he was filming The Shining. Angelica Houston, by the way, a queen we just, among please. women. Angelica Houston's incredible. Oh, my God. Oh, she's so I good in everything she's in. Now, Margaret said he was in love with someone else. Quote, But that didn't keep us from making love all night. Oh, no. Damn. And afterwards, when Jack moved on, she said she felt foolish and crushed, but she quickly got over it. Yeah. Well, Uh, Jack Nicholson, famously also a charmer. True. Who just, you you met him and you were like, yes, I would like to sleep with you, please. He just came (laughs) up and was like, well, ain't you the prettiest thing I've seen all week? And they're like, wow, yeah, that's terrifying voice and stilted speaking style. It's really doing something for me. I know, your creepy little bathing suit for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) It's working for me. Margaret then got into a heavy affair with the rock musician Tom Sullivan, who apparently introduced her to cocaine. Uh Everyone's least favorite friend. (laughs) And this sent her spiraling. 
Although she wrote, quote, There were many times when I would have liked to blame all my mistakes on cocaine. I can't, in all truth, do that. Mm. Which is true. I mean, you know. Yeah. There's still decisions being made. They they make you do, I think it makes you do dumber shit harder yeah, than right, maybe you would right. a sober, but <laughs> you still can't chuck it all up. Yeah. Yeah, to drug, yeah. to drugs. That's true. In 1979, Pierre lost his bid for re-election, and that same night, Margaret was featured on the cover of the New York Post partying at Studio 54. Oh, wow. Ouch. Yeah, it stings. They're like, she's so happy he's not prime minister. Uh-huh. <laughs> so are we, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Now, later that year, in 1979, Margaret gave an interview to Playgirl magazine that she would later call one of the biggest mistakes of her life. Because according to Vanity Fair, this interview was largely incoherent. She kind of went on these rambling tangents. She recounted the abortion that she had when she was 17 years old, apparently. She talked about how she spent eight hours in a tree one night while she was high on mescaline. And she talked about affairs that she'd had with actor Ryan O'Neill or singer Lou Rawls, who, by the way, she had just met at the taping of like an interview show. And his people later reached out to Playgirl and were like, they never spoke after that taping. So, no, she wasn't having an affair with him. Yeah, relationship. She also in this interview claimed she was having an affair with Senator Ted Kennedy, although his people and he also later vehemently denied any sort of goings on between them. And you would know it because she'd be at the bottom of a pond. Oh, no. <laughs> if we had had an affair. Chappaquiddick. <laughs> oh, we should do the Chappaquiddick episode. I mean, we could. We probably should. But in the middle of this interview, she paused to take a phone call from Pierre Trudeau. Mm. And a transcript of her side of this phone conversation was included in the piece. A lot of people say this was the most damning part of the Playgirl piece. That's ice cold a Playgirl too, oh, absolutely. to be like. Oh yeah, go, go ahead, ahead and take and, that call. Yeah. yeah. Insane thing to do. Although you gotta you gotta keep that in mind. It's never off the record. Right. <laughs> if you're with right. a reporter. But that's still that is ice cold. She basically just went on this drug dazed tangent where she was talking to him and she just started describing the outfit that she was wearing at Studio 54, which was featured on the New York Post cover the night that he lost his re-election bid. Whoa. So it was like, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. Why bring that up now? Bit of a sore night. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Side note, just for the history of it, uh, he would win back uh, his position in Mm -hmm. 1980, and he did go on to be prime minister again from 1980 to 1984. Okay. Yeah. So Margaret might have been getting out there and being promiscuous, but it must be said that Pierre was having a good old time, too. Right. Okay? They were both spreading legs and <laughs> <laughs> all, all over. All over Canada. All over moose country. Oh. <laughs> I don't they know. They were trapping beavers all over moose country. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. And over the years, several women were not shy about talking about it, which yeah. we all know is Pierre's least favorite thing uh-huh. that women do about relationships. <laughs> he had relationships with a classical guitarist named Leona Boyd. He had a fling with Superman's Lois Lane, Margot Kidder. What? Who said he was, quote, a vulnerable little boy who lives trapped under layers of defenses. Oh, okay. Lois okay. Lane, that... getting cut into the she, heart. Yes. She's like, <laughs> I got the scoop. 
She's like, my x-ray vision borrowed uh-huh. from <laughs> Superman. Oh, and he even dated Kim Cattrall. Oh. Sexy. <laughs> who called him, quote, so incredibly sexy, a very soft-spoken, incredibly smart, sensitive man. Oh. She had nothing but nice things to say. I know. Well, sex in the city. Okay. Sex in the city, Ottawa edition. <laughs> it's the fifth character. Yes, of course. <laughs> Pierre would go to events sometimes with two girlfriends, like Whoa. one on each arm. Wow. He's just showing off at this point. Right, yeah. We get it, Trudeau mania. <laughs> Women like you. Gosh, shut up. <laughs> uh, just because you listen to him. <laughs> and find ones who are 30 years younger than you. <laughs> and one night, Margaret came across a pile of photographs of women in his desk drawer. And who was on top but Barbara Streisand. Oh. And she asked Pierre, quote, are you rating us? And he shrugged and said, maybe. Wow. Wow, Pierre. (laughs) He's like, this is an order to how much I miss you. And also, like, look, nothing against Barbara Streisand. She's a beautiful, talented, glorious superstar. Uh Uh-huh. But, I mean, she was the most beautiful out of, like, Margot Kidder and Margaret Sinclair and Mm -hmm. Kim Cattrall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean, look, I'm just saying. Damn. Eli's like, she would not be at the top of my book. She's just not at the top of that list of beautiful women, all of whom in it are beautiful. Well, maybe he's rating based on his, his oh, own heart. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. it's not about looks. Oh, I thought you were going to say the sex. Oh, well, maybe it's the sex. <laughs> oh, shit. He's like, listen, Barbara did this thing where she would bend over backwards for me. <laughs> and Margaret, you never did that. I'll say that. <laughs> no, I was going to say, maybe we have a, maybe we have like a... An unrequited love here. That yeah. Like a torch that he carried his whole yeah. life. And that's why he was a playboy is he never actually found what he, he could never. He's always chasing the dragon. That was Barbara Streisand. Maybe so. She is. She's quite a dragon. It <laughs> <That laughs> sounds mean. <laughs> no, she's a fierce, powerful creature oh, right. with uh, with uh, who can who, who from her throat can <laughs> blow you away, you know. <laughs> I, okay. By which I mean her singing is like right, her right, right. fire breath, you know? Right, right, right. He's like, and from her throat, she can <laughs> blow <right>. you away. <laughs> That's why she's on top of the stack. Damn. I respect Barbara as a... I know. Barbara's amazing. <laughs> she's a little weird with that island she's got. She's an island? All right, not an island, but she's got like, a, she built an underground shopping mall under her own house. It cost like $900 million. What? Yeah. Can anyone else shop there? Uh, I don't. We we might have to do an episode. I have so many questions. I'm like, is it fully staffed? Is there an Auntie Anne's? Like, this... how far do we go? <laughs> Can I go downstairs and get a pretzel? I mean, listen, this if says... I had enough money, I might have an Auntie Anne's installed at my fucking house. Uh, this says uh, on news.com that she built a $950 million shopping mall under her own house She told Harper's Bazaar, quote, instead of just storing my things in the basement, I can make a street of shops and display them. So I think it's like a a display mall. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, Barbara Streisand, quite a character. When you have a lot of money, you got to think of something to spend (laughs) it on. (laughs) I don't know. People in need? Yeah. Boring. (laughs) 
But back to Margaret, after the shame of the Playgirl interview in 79, because she definitely knew immediately that this was this was terrible Mm -hmm. and she was getting dragged for it. So she fled back to Canada to be with her sons and mostly tried to stay out of the spotlight as much as possible. In 1983, she finally filed for a no contest divorce from Pierre, and this was finalized in April of 84. Later that same month, she married an Ottawa real estate developer named Fred Kemper, and they ended up having two children together. But Margaret continued to spiral during these years. She went on Prozac for a little while, which helped her a little, but she didn't stay on it. And remember, at this time, she had not yet been officially diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Mm. She was kind of just like looking for the quick fix. Yeah. Her husband had to file for bankruptcy at one point, so things weren't going well for them either. And then in 1988, she was arrested and charged with marijuana possession, which was illegal at the time. She had to stay at a mental hospital for over two months after this. And the next decade was a difficult mix of dealing with all of these issues with her manic episodes, uh, you know, financial troubles, uh, the split families she was dealing with, just a lot of trouble. And then in 1998, her and Pierre's son, Michel, was killed in an avalanche during a ski trip. Oh, my God. Yeah. Terrifying. Really terrifying and just horrible. It really broke her. And then just two years later, Pierre Trudeau died from prostate cancer in 2000 at 80 years old. Wow. Yeah. Real double whammy for her. Someone already in a fragile mental state, losing, you know, a son and someone who's very close to her, mm-hmm. um, really set her off. It's a really bad time. Yeah, Margaret had been at Pierre's bedside with their sons, Justin and Sasha, when he died. She said that, quote, just because our marriage ended didn't mean the love stopped. Yeah, it reminds me of um, Lucy and and Desi Desi in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. But after his death, she crashed hard and ended up back in a mental institution. She even ended up in a straitjacket for her own safety at one point. Oh, wow. Allegedly, another patient even said, you see that lady over there in the corner crying? She thinks she's Margaret Trudeau. Oh, man. She's like, oh. Well, that's got to be tough, too. And you're like, people don't even believe you because they think you're so crazy. crazy. You're making up that you're a famous person. Right. Like, no, I really am. Like getting gaslit by other crazy people. Right. (laughs) We don't use that word here. No, I know. You're right. That's true. But yeah. But yeah. (laughs) She's like, no, I know my own name. Yeah, <laughs> for gone, real. People. But out of all this strife and stay with this mental institution and everything, she did get her proper diagnosis of bipolar disorder and proper treatment. Finally. So that's a good, that's a silver lining to uh-huh. this horrible cloud. And while she says she didn't smile or laugh for five years, the treatment she received finally allowed her to feel like herself again. Yeah, Apparently her son Sasha took her on a trip to Cuba and it was while she was there after having had some time with her treatment and new medications and stuff like that. She said she smiled and started laughing again for the first time and Mm. finally went home and felt like herself again for the first time in a long time. I mean, this was decades of dealing with this. Yeah. In 2006, the hospital where she had received treatment approached her and asked if she would be an advocate for mental health. Oh, yeah. And since then, she's stepped out publicly to speak about her issues with bipolar disorder and the social stigmas of mental illness. And she published a book in 2010 called Changing My Mind about her struggles with the disorder. 
And in May of 2019, she presented her one-woman show, Certain Woman of an Age, in Chicago as part of the city's Wellness Week. So she's, like, kind of back out in the spotlight, but in this wonderful, like, beneficial way. Right. And it sounds, like, much healthier for herself. Absolutely, yeah. You should try and get her to come do it at Fringe Festival. I was just thinking that. (laughs) I was like, I know all about one-woman shows. Right. Um, Yeah, uh, it's really... um, I think that, you know, we, we, we don't get too into the biography here, but mm-hmm. you should definitely look up her life. She's she's still around. She's 73. Um, of course, her son, Justin, is now prime minister of Canada as of this recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she she didn't get too heavily involved in his campaign. She she was out there a little bit, but they apparently thought that he his opponents were painting him as inexperienced. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want it to look like he needed his mommy by his side during the campaign so they mm-hmm. kept her back a little bit but that makes sense um but yeah she's 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 doing good work she's a really fascinating person and her uh her books and her uh, appearances and everything like that talking about mental health and what her lifestyle was like for a while she's not shy about talking about it she's mm-hmm. got some crazy stories about hanging out with these celebrities and these drug-fueled years and like it just sounds like a it sounds like a nightmare to me. Like it really sounds like just a, like this dark. Like you wouldn't even know it was happening while it was happening. It's more about after you woke up and looked back at it and were like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, oh, that what was terrible. Horrible. Yeah, you know, totally like a surreal. Mm-hmm. Well, just out of control maybe is the nightmare part. Yeah, You're like I can't change what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah I definitely see that. She also thought it was interesting this part where she got arrested for marijuana possession. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is now. Legal in Canada, uh, as of 2018, I saw if I've got that right. Um, and you know, when Trudeau was pushing for it, Justin Trudeau, mm-hmm. uh, she also spoke up and said, "Yes, I, I think it should be legalized." And they quoted her old interviews where she said that marijuana had contributed to her mental health struggles. And she was like, "Yeah, I if I smoked too much, I had a manic episode. It was it was really rough for me. I needed help controlling. I needed to kick it in order to get better." But she's like, I still smoke a little bit now. You know, I can't all the time. And legalizing it regulates it. Mm-hmm. That's going to help more people. Right. I don't think people under 18 should be smoking, she said. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, pe- I like smoking. It's fun. You should be allowed to. It's crazy that you can't. And if we legalize it, then we can make sure people are doing it safely. Right. And, you know, people know what they're smoking and things like that that will just yeah. help a lot and can get treatment for it. We can study it, can find out what it's doing to your mental health, all these things. That well, are and great. you can you can really control your dosage. Yeah. Like not just in a medical sense, but right. in like a drug sense. Yeah. You're like I know how messed up I want to get. Yeah. And now I have a way to f- measure that. Yeah. In a way that we certainly didn't have before. We were just like, I hope this weed is good, or I hope yeah. this acid is good, or right. I hope this ecstasy isn't cut with something crazy. Uh-huh. Like uh, people <laughs> still have, I guess yeah. we still have a, a oh, fentanyl issue. Terrible in, problems with that. Absolutely. In America, period, or just Atlanta? I don't know exactly. I think how far I think it definitely is. across the country. Yeah. Yeah. So fucked up. It is. It is. And I mean, you know. Yeah, before we started regulating food, it was like that too. I don't know what's in this Water. slop, mm-hmm. but I guess I just gotta eat it. Yep, and Hope now I'll die. You can pretty much. I don't now. I don't think about it. Right. When I go out and get food, I'm like, mm-hmm. I trust that someone's keeping an eye on this yeah. and making sure it doesn't have fentanyl in it. And so far, they've been doing a good job at keeping fentanyl out of my food. <laughs> <laughs> Knock on as wood. As far as I know. <laughs> 
So yeah, legalize it is what I'm saying. <laughs> Hashtag legalize <laughs> Hashtag it. Hashtag legalize it. Margaret said so. <laughs> well, this is an interesting one because it's just so different than unless you d- dive in. You don't know about all these mental health struggles right. and all this stuff. All right. you get are, I mean, of course, that's media shit right there. Yep. You just get the drugs and sex stuff. But yep. like, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the curtain Yeah. in this one. I thought it was interesting, too, to learn, you know, um, Rocco, when he sent the story, had mentioned that, you know, Margaret had a tryst with Mick Jagger. And I was like, oh, I got to look this up. Yeah. This, is, this sounds crazy. And then find out that she probably didn't. Right. But that's sort of the headline that drew us in mm-hmm. uh, to find out, you know, the more likely truth, I'll say. Um, and that maybe she was having an affair with Ronnie Wood that. You know, and then you start to see again how the media just sensationalizes everything. Yeah. Tabloids, especially paparazzi, just like celebrity culture, scum of the earth, just mm-hmm. trying to feed off people's mm-hmm. lives and turn them into something more than they are. Uh, it's highlight chaos. mistakes so much, yeah, and, and normal bad behavior, right? And while re- completely like ignoring this 30 year gap in uh-huh. their marriage yeah, right. and stuff right. with Pierre right. or like he's such a playboy what a hot bachelor uh-huh. so hot that he's like pulling all these hot ladies it's such a different attitude to Margaret having yeah. an orgy with all the Rolling Stones why uh-huh. are people giving her high fives like you got it girl <laughs> <laughs> well and then there's of course the 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 image issue of it where it's like his was he was a stately man having sexy mm-hmm. affairs. She was a drug crazed lunatic right. who was out there doing whatever she had to do to get a fix, you know? And yeah. it's like, to some degree, there's some truth in that because like, you know, Pierre wasn't running around doing cocaine and like acting in yeah. ways that he couldn't control. Mm-hmm. Um, and Margaret, you know, to some degree was, but also why is that true? Was the pressure different for her than it was for him that caused Definitely. her to kind of tip over? Absolutely, you know? Right, just her being so young. Just so young and thrust into this world that she didn't exactly volunteer to be a part of and then being forced to live one way and then all of a sudden the cameras are on you all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you can see how if she had an existing uh, bipolar disorder, how this would just like totally put a magnifying glass on that and Mm -hmm. just blow up her whole life. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, she might have already been someone who would have been an it girl, like a party girl, and right, go out right. all the time. But like, she would have just been one, one in a million. Like, no one would have paid yeah. any attention. She could have had her partying days safely behind her, uh-huh. and moved on with her life. True. But because she married so young and had kids really young, and I think, I think she was kind of rebelling against that life. Yeah. That glass panel she was talking about a little bit. She yeah. really wanted to break it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. She was a hippie. Free love, baby. It's interesting, though, that she's sort of like she really followed the decades, you know, like in yeah. the 60s, she was a hippie. In the mm-hmm. 70s, it was like sex, drugs, rock and roll. And in the 80s, it was cocaine. Doing cocaine. <laughs> so, <laughs> Very on brand. Yeah. Margaret really was going. with the trip. And in, and in the 2000s, she's a mental health advocate. Oh, my God. Also, you're just, right. She just kept she riding really the wave. She really is keeping up yeah. with the facts. Or maybe we're all evolving at the same rate with that Margaret, Margaret is. She's the, she's leading us into <laughs> a new era. Margaret is leading us. Thank you, Margaret Trudeau wow. uh, Kemper. I never thought about that. Yeah. Well, now I wouldn't have because I didn't know about her didn't story. Yeah. But now I feel like now we all be feel the truth. It. Yeah. Now we all know who to look to. Margaret, come fix it. Margaret, what's happening? Margaret, we have we have problems. Can you show us what to do next, please? We will follow. She's like, I'm old. Leave me yeah, alone. She's old. <laughs> it's your best now. It's like I'm still on the mental health thing. We ain't fixed okay. that yet. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, we're <laughs> that's still a lot of work to do. 
Oh, I hope you love this story. I love this story. Fascinating. Very exciting, fun, sexy, a little dark at times, Mm -hmm. Um, but it all worked out more or less. 60s, 70s, 80s, celebs, star-studded sex capades. Right. I swear to God, one day, David Bowie's dick is getting its whole episode. Oh, it needs one. A three-parter. It has been around the world, baby. Around the world. There's a lot to say about that. (laughs) We'll get there. But for now... I hope you all had fun with this one. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. Right. Uh, thanks again to Rocco for the suggestion. Huge thanks to Rocco. Thanks to our northern neighbors in Canada for right. putting up <laughs> with our boots and boots. <laughs> oh, and for the delicious and for the syrup. Delicious syrup. Absolutely. Please uh, shoot us an email. We would love to hear your thoughts. We would love to hear your suggestions. We would love to just hear from you. It's one of our favorite parts of our day. Uh, so send us an email at ridicromance at gmail.com. Writer can slide into the DMs on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Dynamite Boom. And I'm at Oh Great, it's Eli. And the show is at Dick Romance. Don't forget to tune in later for another exciting episode. We'll be coming back more, uh, and we'll see you then. Love you, bye. So long, friends, it's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this hundred-year-old murder mystery. 
Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.